Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 19. Not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect. If Paul would say this, I think we should say this. But I'm following after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. So I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise, God shall reveal even this to you. Meaning, if you don't understand some things that are preached and taught in this church, don't be so quick to walk out. Give it time. That's literally, you look up the meaning of this verse. He's saying, you may not understand it or agree with it right now, but just you need to be here and listen. And he says, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Let's not lose the progress that's been made. And then we go on reading. He says, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example, for many walk, of whom I told you often, and now I tell you even weeping, that they have become the enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul was not happy to ever see anyone leave the church. And he says there was good people that were part of the church, but now they have gone another direction, and it, it was one that is contrary to the kingdom of God. He says, that result, the end is destruction. Whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Exodus twenty three thirteen. And in all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect. Make no mention of the name of other gods. Neither let it be heard out of your mouth. I want to speak for the next few moments as I feel strong, more strong led to teach here today about a God named Belly. A God named Belly. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we need you right now. You are here. I believe, Lord, the song that has been sung was not just some musical composition that we begin to sing together. But I believe, Lord, angels truly are in every corner in this room. Your very presence is here, God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would anoint every hearer of the word. And God, help us to take heed how we hear. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we would not be offended. I pray, God, that we do not misinterpret or misunderstand. I pray that there will be revelation in this room. And I believe in the name of Jesus that there is going to be liberty. I believe there's going to be healing. I believe, God, there's going to be a shift in some spirit here today. I believe it, therefore I speak it. I give you the glory. I give you the honor. I give you the praise. And in the name of Jesus, I put on the whole armor of God. And, Lord, I come in the name of Jesus. Let your will be done. Someone say in Jesus name a God named belly we have read two portions of scripture I draw our attention back to verse 19 of Philippians 3 when he's talking about these people that have walked away from God that have went astray not just that they end up becoming defiant to the things of God he says 
this is very sorrowful. Paul would weep about it. I don't know if you've ever had a friend or a family member that was part of the church and ends up leaving the church. The grief that lays on you, the hurt that comes over you, the pain, especially if you are a parent and it is your child, or if you are a sibling and that is your brother, there is nothing worse than seeing someone you love walk away from the truth. That's why John said, I I have no greater joy than knowing that my children still walk in this truth. In Jesus' name, I pray that can be every parent's testimony, that your children are in the truth. I pray that's every sibling's testimony in this room, that your brother and your sister come back to the faith or get into the faith or stay in the faith. I, I, I believe that's the will of God for families to go to heaven. Do you believe that? That's the will of God. That's the will of God. But there were some things that led people astray. And he identifies a spirit. He identifies a problem. He says, those that have went astray, their God was their belly. Before you get offended and feeling awkward and start tucking in, just give it a little time here. We're going somewhere in the Holy Ghost. I know it's Thanksgiving week and it is the week of gluttony. It is the week of just giving in to appetite. But I do believe there is a spirit that God wants me to speak to and to address. Because the God of this belly causes an earthly mentality. One that thinks on the things of this world. We read in Exodus 23 where the command went forth not to make mention of the name of other gods. When you read the Ten Commandments, it's very clear that there is no other God but one. There is one God and he has one name and we are to worship him and him of the name of any other God. But something interesting happens as you read your Bible. There is the mention of the name of other gods. It's not that you cannot ever utter the name of a God because for sin to appear sin, it must be identified. There has to be clear communication as to what is right, what is wrong, What is really God? What is not God? What is Christ? What is Antichrist? But when you do mention the name of a God, don't make it part of just casual conversation. For casual leads to carnal. Gods are named from here on out, but they are not named casually. Sins must be identified. But there are some sins and some gods, I think we incorrectly obey the commandment of not naming those gods. We should name some sins. We should name some gods that we don't talk about, that we do not identify. Now, there are sermons to avoid if you ever want to avoid making people mad or offended. If you ever are afforded the opportunity to communicate in front of a group of people through the means of ministry of the word, It doesn't take very long to find out what topics or unsaid topics cause a reaction out of people. There are some topics I am so excited when God gives them to me. And I'm ready to just go full throttle, believing for an atmosphere filled of faith. There's other times God speaks to me and gives me a topic and I'm like, oh, hallelujah. Because you already know the kingdom confrontation that takes place. When you speak into certain regions, praise is one of those controversial topics. 
such as in the Dakotas, trying to bring about a vibrant praise and worship, though we are there now as a congregation, it wasn't always that way. It was a battle. And anytime you think God giving you a message or a sermon on praise would be exciting, but I never got excited to preach one of those sermons because I knew what was going to happen. Money. Money's another one of those sermons. Don't really like to step up to the pulpit because it creates great emotion. Jesus said that. He said, look, when you talk about mammon, when you talk about money, people, they're attached to it with either love or hate. You're either going to love one or hate the other. It's God or mammon. Elements of holiness is another thing. We could talk through different segments of holiness that you easily know that there's going to be some discomfort. For we are unholy people trying to pursue a holy God. Gluttony. When's the last time you heard a good old sermon on gluttony? Happy Thanksgiving. Proverbs 23, 1 through 3 says, When you sit to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before you. Put a knife to your throat if you are a person given to appetite. Don't desire those dainties. And don't we all like dainties? They are deceitful meat. He's saying that you are at the mercy of your appetite. There is a ruler of the darkness of this world. There is spiritual wickedness in high places that has advantage over those that have no rule over their appetite. Now, why would God care about food? How about why would God care about money? Why would God care about hair? Why would God care about jewelry? Why would God care about gender identity? Why? If he's God, what does any of that even matter to him? Especially if he doesn't even need us. But you see, the natural is an insight to the spiritual. Romans 7, 7 says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. And he gives... Some revelation and understanding of the Old Testament law. He says, I had not known lust, except the law has said, thou shalt not covet. The Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not covet. It doesn't say, thou shalt not lust. But he gives us an understanding of the spirit behind covetousness. It is a desiring, it is a longing. And he says, We would not even know the spirit of lust had it not been for the law that declared thou shall not covet. Thou shall not have any other gods. Proverbs 25 verse 27 says, it is not good to eat much honey. Anyone like honey? Right now, former sister Reese is getting nervous because money came from honey. For the Reese family. For those who may not know, her parents own some bee farms. But it says, it's not good to eat much honey. For so men to search their own glory is not glory. Look, it's, it's not good to eat too many sweets. And I have to remind myself this as I think on a pecan pie coming my way later this week. Too much sugar, not a good thing. The lack of control 
in one area can spill over into other areas. Because look at the verse that it's coupled with. It says, the person that has no rule over their own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. When you cannot control an element, especially in the spirit, Job 20, 20, verse 20 through 23 says, Surely he shall not feel quietness in his belly. He shall not save of that which he desired. There shall none of his meal be left. You don't have to worry about food being left on their plate. It's gone. But in the fullness of his sufficiency, he shall be in straits. The man that is given to that appetite now is put into a narrow place. Now, is it a narrower place because they became wider? But it says now they're in a tough situation because of the giving in, the appetite that has a hold of them. When he is about to fill his belly, verse 23, God will cast the fury. 1 Corinthians 6, 12, and 13. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. I, I have permission. I can eat whatever I want. I can do whatever I want, but not everything we do is beneficial for us. And so he says, I have determined I do not want to be brought under the power of any. I don't want to be the slave of some sort of substance. I don't want to be the slave of some sort of appetite. I don't want to be given to those things. But then we say, well, I need a verse for justification. Meats for the belly. Belly for the meats. But God's going to destroy both it and them. But understand that your body has been designed for something. Your body is not for fornication. Your body is not for sexual pleasure. Your body has sexual appetite, but it is not designed to be given to that appetite. Your body has been designed as a temple of the Holy Ghost. And its purpose is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. We should be serving God and God wants to serve us. Not like he's our slave, but God loves the body. God loves the church. See, lust is what leads to fornication. Lust is a spirit of appetite. One of the Greek words for lust, and there are a number, means to crave. It is a longing. It is a desiring. I don't know if you ever crave. They probably have some cravings for this coming Thursday. Maybe you have a pre-Thursday meal and a post-Thursday meal, especially typically have a post-few meals from Thursday. Thank God for leftovers. But understand that craving is a spiritual thing. And craving is a natural thing. And they are not far apart. Psalm 78 verse 23 says, Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven. And I want God to open the doors of heaven. And we have been living in an open heaven. You go on reading here through verse 31. It says, God rained down manna upon them to eat. God gave them of the corn of heaven. Not like cornbread from heaven. Thank God for it. It says that God rained down manna from heaven, corn of heaven. And man did eat angels' food. That sure does sound delicious. 
When God begins to set a buffet, when God begins to set a, a 9, 7, 29 course meal before you, I, I want to be a part of it. Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. God is not anti-food. God is not against food. Much of his ministry is around food. When you open up the New Testament, you see him at the dining table of establishments. When you read the Old Testament, you'll find angelic counters, roundabout elements of food. God is there at a sacrifice. Sacrifice and offering that is dressed with spices and ointments and oils, etc. God is not against any of those things. And Jesus said, look, this is the last supper I have with you, but there's a day, a day coming where I'm going to taste of this vine again. I'm going to eat of this bread again. And I want you to be a part of that supper of the lamb. How many want to be a part of that supper of the lamb? If you think you've had a great Thanksgiving meal, just wait to the Thanksgiving feast that is up in heaven in eternity. There's no chef like Michael and Gabriel. There's no chef up there like the angels are the most. I look forward to that day, especially with a glorified stomach, no limits, no boundary, no tums. taste and see the goodness of the Lord. God gave them what they needed, but they had an appetite problem. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven, verse 26. His power he brought in the south wind. And God rained bread before God rained manna, but now he rains flesh upon them as dust. Feathered fowls like as a sand of the sea, and he let it fall in the midst of their camp round about their habitations. So they did eat. They ate before, but now they're eating again, and they were filled. They were filled before, but they wanted to go further and be stuffed even more. And the Bible says God gave them what they wanted. He gave them their own desire. I want you to listen very carefully. Just because God gives you your desire does not mean he gave you his will. Sometimes your will can get in the way because you desire and want something so much. You want something so bad. And God says, fine, I will give it to you. As Pastor read from Romans chapter 1 today, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. They, they didn't want to retain God in their knowledge. They didn't like what they knew about God, what they've been exposed to about God. And so they're like, stay out of my mind. I don't want that. And God says, fine, I'll give you what you want. And they got what they wanted. The bread from heaven was not enough. They said, Give me more. I want meat. I want a stuffery. They were not estranged from their lust. Lust. We're talking about food. And God's talking about lust. He says, I want you to know the spirit that can be given to when you give in to appetite. And the Bible helps us to know that they were not estranged from their lust. We must make lust as foreign and as distant as possible. We ought not to entertain lust. We not, ought not to engage lust. We ought not to make a joke of lust. We ought to be as estranged and far and foreign and distant to lust as possible. It's quiet all of a sudden. But they were not estranged from that lust. And the Bible says, while the meat was in their mouth. Where did they get the meat from? God. Who gave them the food? God. So they could say, well, God gave it to me. God gave me permission. It's okay. Did God give it to them? Did God open the heaven? Did God cause the wind to blow? Did God bring the turkey? God brought it. 
And they begin to plow into it. And the Bible says, while the meat was in their mouth. See, if we eat lust, it's nutrients that fuel the carnal man will overtake us. We are what we eat, both natural and spiritual. And so it says, while the meat was in their mouth, verse 31, the wrath of God came upon them and slew Who did he slew? The fattest of them. I know we're all feeling awkward and weird and uncomfortable right now. Before you get offended and walk out, I want you to hear me in the Holy Ghost. God slew the fattest of them. You know what a comforting thought in first world America. He smote down the chosen. Men of Israel. This is not about just some sort of mere waistline as much as it is about appetite. The mightiest, God's mightiest men never learned restraint. And so they fell prey to their lust. The lack of restraint, the lack of temperance, the lack of self-denial. Here's what I know. Mighty men have mighty appetites. When you are a conqueror and you want to do great things and you desire great things, that is an appetite. And if we are not careful, an appetite can be transferred into the wrong arena. It can go into the wrong places. Great exploits can all of a sudden bring the wrong request. Samson is infamous for this. He did many mighty exploits. The Spirit of God moved upon him in great ways. And after a great victory, all of a sudden there was a great defeat because he says, I thirst, I'm going to die. Give me, give me, give me now. And God did perform a miracle. There was water in the jawbone of a donkey, but his call, his consecration was not to touch dead things. And he gave himself permission because he thought God gave into his desire. And He's like, this has to be God's will. I can now touch a dead animal and drink life from death. It's quiet here on this Sunday, but we're going somewhere. When exploits lead to excess, we are in danger. I've heard this preached and taught a number of times and especially in ministry sessions about when you are used in the Holy Ghost and you preach and you see miracles, signs and wonders and the anointing of God comes upon you. You are at greatest risk when you step out of the pulpit and leave the building. You have just been used in the Holy Ghost. You've been used to conquer a spirit. You have expended yourself. And now, because of that, you are exhausted and you are open. Because to minister, you got to open yourself to minister to people. But when you leave the building, if you're not careful, you're still open to the spirit world. And it can catch you when you are weak. You have to make sure we continually stay on guard. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also had loved us. He gave himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. God loves the smell 
of a sweet sacrifice. God loves the smell and the aroma of those things that were brought on the altar of the Lord in the Old Testament. And now it is the fruit of our lip, the sacrifice of praise that we bring to God as a sweet smelling savor. And when that music was playing, the feeling you felt were not notes. What you felt was the reciprocal effect of a people drawing near to God and God drawing near to us because God is looking for true worshipers to worship in spirit in truth and when we come together and we worship the one true living God named Jesus in spirit and in truth there is a sweet presence that comes into the room God loves the smell of sacrifice we love the smell of bacon And all of a sudden, it seems that God turns a corner here in the word, but it says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you one time as we are in the process of becoming saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting. You got to be careful what you're saying. You say, why does God care what I say? Well, casual leads to carnal. And when you get in a lighthearted spirit, it's very messy. easy is when I let my guard down to have a good time. All of a sudden you say something you regret and you're like, oh, what am I doing? I never should have said that. I should have entertained that. That went too far. I crossed the line. It's one of the dangers of text threads. Well, everyone trying to up one. Until all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, oh my, my, my bad. I didn't mean that. That was Whoops. But see, why is fornication brought up? Because there is a spirit attached to it. It is a desire. It is a longing. It is covetousness. And so for this, ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater. When all of a sudden we are given into an appetite, you don't realize it, but there is a God of this world that we can give ourselves to without even understanding or realizing it. There is a great danger when we are given to appetite. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 2, 9 through 11, there was a man in that day that had great power, great authority, great rule. And he was so great and he increased more than everyone else before him in Jerusalem. His wisdom remained with him. It is possible to be great and to have great things and be carnal and yet somehow still have wisdom. It's it's pretty crazy to think. But he says, whatever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I did not withhold from my heart anything that it desired, that it wanted, that would bring it joy. My heart rejoiced in all my labor. This was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on the works that my hands had wrought and all the labor I labored to do. And behold, his conclusion for giving in to a spirit that could that he thought would bring joy and satisfaction. The result is ultimately this desire, this appetite cannot bring satisfaction. All is vanity and vexation of spirit and no profit under the sun. You come to a very depressing conclusion about life when you are given to the wrong spirit in this life. Proverbs 27, verse 19 and 20 is water answers to face, so the heart of man to man. He says this reflection, just like you look in a mirror, it reveals something to you. This is what God tries to do in our heart is to reveal things to us. And he goes on to say hell and destruction are never 
full. So the eyes of man, the desire of man is never satisfied. An insatiable appetite of the flesh is kin to hell and destruction. When we have an appetite, we got to be very careful because that appetite that continually is seeking to be pleased, seeking to be pet, seeking to be fed, if you will, all of a sudden finds itself in the same vein as hell and destruction itself. Hell is never satisfied. Destruction is never satisfied. And the appetite of carnality and the appetite of our flesh will never be fulfilled, will never be satisfied. They can bring a moment of pleasure, but it's a very short lived season. We okay? Bible study today. I have a friend. We were talking about gluttony one time, and he got pretty uh, pretty passionate about it. It kind of caught me off guard because I was like, I don't know if I ever met anyone passionate about gluttony. And so <laughs> we're all getting uncomfortable. Hallelujah. But he began to talk about his father. And his father, from my understanding, was quite given to appetite. And so all of a sudden it was so out of control. It was affecting the health in the most severe way. So he did not feel as if he could overcome it. And I I, I want you to listen very carefully and do not misinterpret what I'm going to say. Because I am not here to cast stones. I'm not here to attack anyone. And do not let the enemy misinterpret information into your ear to get offended right now because that is not the motive of the spirit and that's not the motive of me okay and i'm not against what i'm about to say but i need you to understand something about it everyone okay and so his father underwent a surgery to help him to reduce the intake And what my friend told me was he did this and all of a sudden his father became a chronic gambler and started going to all these casinos and literally is blowing all the family money. And basically he had to go through this counseling and most people that go under, undergo this type of surgery, there's various types but this particular type that he did. There had to be counsel given because the most common side effect of this is a transfer of appetite from one area of your life to another. And the most common is gambling. And this is why my friend was just very passionate about this. He says, man, I I just really believe there's a spirit behind our appetite. And he wasn't casting stones. In fact, this guy's a bit... He's got some beef to him. Say that. But he was just saying, he goes, I, it, it really just works me over because there are a life 
And if we try to cover it up and mask it, it will transfer somewhere along the way. And if you say that's not biblical, you're just speaking some psychological mumbo jumbo. Well, look at 1 Timothy 6.10. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Why would God care about money? Why would God care about your emotions attached to money? It says there's people that covet after it. See, it, there's nothing inherently evil about money in of itself. It's an inanimate object, but there is a spirit that attaches. It leverages your baser nature. That's what the devil does is he simply tries to find your fix, what you are into, and leverage it against you, to work it against you. And so all of a sudden, you know, all, you, you have this spirit of covetousness in one area that you long, you desire, and it becomes habitual and you continually just take it and now it's an addiction in your life and you try to halt that addiction but you don't go about it properly the addiction did not disappear the spirit did not disappear you're going to have to deal with it somewhere in your life and that applies more than just what I'm mentioning here right in this very moment. If you do not deal with a spirit in one area of your life and you think, well, if I just stop talking to this person, if I, if I just cut this off or that off, and if you never deal with the spirit, somewhere down the road along the way, it will confront you. And so it says that same spirit of covetousness, that same spirit of longing and desire can show up now in money. There's a statement I came across, and I didn't author it, so don't get ticked off at me. It says, he who cannot control his belly cannot control his loins. It talks about an appetite. What did we read when we read the statement that the Bible says when they were eating meat, they were lusting after it? We think lust is sexual, but lust is not sexual. Now, it is attached to it time and time again. Lust is a spirit. It is an appetite. It is a desiring. It is a longing. It is by definition a craving. And all of a sudden, when we keep giving in to cravings, we don't realize that we don't have control in other areas of our life as well. Because appetite is an addictive behavior that transcends into various arenas of your life. I'm going to pause one more time and just say this because I refuse to let the enemy misinterpret what I'm preaching here today. I'm not here preaching because you're five pounds overweight or a hundred pounds overweight. I didn't come here trying to preach some dietary program. I'm here to simply let you know we must monitor human behavior to know that there's more to human behavior than flesh. There, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against the rulers of this darkness of this world. We are in a spiritual battle. And so how we give in the flesh is an insight to some things in our spirit. Man, you live in South Dakota, I think a little insulation is good. That's what this Thursday is all about. I need insulated. Below zero is coming. Let me say this as well. For there to be clarity. What I'm talking about is not waistline because you, you, I may be four foot nothing, but I can out eat all of y'all. You don't believe me? Just, just, just come to our Thanksgiving feast this Thursday and you'll find out the appetite that I am able to embody. So if anything, I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now because I, I easily am given to appetite. People that like to conquer, they, they like to conquer. 
And so I'm not speaking theory right now. I'm telling you what I know in the spirit. And it's not coincidence or accident that my greatest battle has been lust. Are you listening to me? My greatest battle was lust. Most of you all have been here long enough. You know my story about pornography, etc. I'm telling you, it's been my greatest battle that I had. For those that are all worried, it's been over a decade, okay? God has liberated me. I have not given in to self-gratification. I have not looked at those inappropriate images. So I thank God for it. It's not a self-righteous pat on the back. I'm just saying I am very familiar with the spirit of lust. And it is more than sexual and it's more than food. It's simply giving in to an appetite and never exercising restraint temperance or self-control it's still quiet here because we're just teaching some fasting insight fasting is a huge spiritual discipline that god gives the church not because we get excited about it but god knows why we need it fasting is a period of time you do not eat extended time you could call it starvation if you want but when you talk about literal starvation, starvation leads to unfathomable behaviors such as eating your old children. You read it in the Bible. Nations that were entrenched around the enemy and there's no food coming in, no anything coming in. And what did they do? They got so desperate in the condition of hunger that they did the unfathomable and they begin to eat their own children. It's one of the many reasons ugly attitudes surface when you fast, because it's in you. Fasting awakens it. It surfaces. It gets loud. Fasting stirs the basis of human nature, the spirit that needs to be driven out and overcome. So before you're just so quick to dismiss fasting and excuse yourself, oh, I just know my body, my body, I can't do that, whatever. You're, you're giving in to the God of your belly. That's what's, that's running your decisions. Your heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't tell me and justify that I can't fast. I can't exercise these spiritual disciplines. We can, we can have open karaoke right here. Fasting. And I'm telling you, there's people you never thought that went fasting seven days, 14 days, 21 days, 40 days. There's four people in this room that God used in help and grace to have walk in the strength of their last meal to go 40 days. And none of it was easy. And the hardest are the first three days. And that's where you say your body says, I can't. It's quiet. Matthew 24 is probably why pastor doesn't want me to preach next month. I'm your friend. I know you think I'm a jerk right now. And you're like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to sit on them after this. Please don't. <laughs> We're almost done. Verse 38 and 39 of Matthew 24. As in the days that were before the flood. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving into marriage till the day Noah entered in that ark. And they did not even know until the flood came and took them all away. See, in, in regards to end time events and prophecy, we're, we're thinking of images of dragons and six-headed creatures. And here Jesus is given an image of a stomach. In the last days, eating, drinking, is he against eating and drinking? No. But he's talking about their appetite. They were given to it. So much so that they missed the 120-year-long sermon that Noah was preaching by building an ark. They didn't even know they were so given to that appetite. Jesus says it like this in Luke 21, 34 through 36. Take heed to yourselves. 
lest at any time your heart be overcharged with surfeiting. Now, that's not like cowabunga, dude, surfing. The word surfeiting literally means a debauch, a glut. And the commentary I was reading on this specific word as they expounded on the word study was this, surfeiting, excessive eating and drinking so as to oppress the body. You ever, I could witness to this right now. I have ate and drank so much that I oppressed my body. The groaning that comes from my mouth. I get quiet sometimes. He says, overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life so that day comes upon you unawares. This word is talking about the indulgence. Literally, you, you, you study out, you fact check me. Indulgence of an appetite of food and drink. So in other words, in the last days, the condition of the stomach was a condition of the heart. He says, your appetite is revealing something about your heart. And you need to take notice of that. You have to realize there is a great danger there. Genesis 3, 13 and 14 says, God said to the woman, uh, the, uh, uh, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And Eve replied, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. What's wrong with eating? Oh, and you're giving in to the wrong appetite. And God said this to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed above all the cattle. You're cursed above all the beasts of the field because you caused her to give in to that. You caused her to give in to that lust, that coveting, that thing that she saw with her eyes and partaking of the appetite and eating. So I tell you what, Satan, upon your belly, you shall go. You messed up her by her belly. I'm going to make you crawl on your belly and dust. You will eat all the days of your life. The first sin was appetite. The first curse pronounced was a serpent going on the way of its belly. All the days of his life were eating dust. Man is made of dust. The enemy's appetite is flesh. We must not have the same appetite as the enemy. The enemy craves the dust. He craves your flesh. He craves to take you down to cause you to fall and trip up. We ought not to give into the same appetite that the devil has. God help us to exercise temperance and restraint. It's not an easy thing. That's why it's called a spiritual Christian discipline saying, God, Lord, I know there's nothing wrong with this cornbread. I know there's nothing sinful about this turkey. I know that, that God, but help me not to be so easily given to every feeling that comes my way. Help me every now and again to say, no, no. Now, before you all fast this Thursday and mess up your family relations, I'm not telling you to do that. But God is trying to plant some thoughts in your mind to consider about your daily living. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes. It wasn't because it was sexual. It was food. You ever look at food and be like, mm. I, I did that just this day at Sioux Falls. I was at Providence, Rhode Island yesterday. I got up. And I flew back to Sioux Falls, and all the, down the whole hallway was the smell of Cinnabon. The devil is a liar. Man, trying to cast a stumbling block. But I mean, I just, I literally, I looked at it. And I just, I was like, no, Lord, no, Lord. I just kept going. 
Oh, that's just one victory. I've had many fails. But I won yesterday. I won. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, just the sight of food, the smell of food can awaken you. What is that? It's your flesh. And it says it desired to make one wise that she took of the fruit and did eat. The desire, the lust to be another God. Because God told her the day you, she looked at it and it did something. It worked over her mind. Her God was her belly. I was speaking to an evangelist and he told me that one time he was walking through the streets of New York City. And out of nowhere, the Lord spoke to him and said, tell them to stop asking for my spirit of healing to share my glory with their lust of the flesh. God sometimes doesn't bring about a healing because you would misinterpret it as an endorsement of a lifestyle. And we cannot let our lifestyle demand that God do something for us when God's ways do not endorse our lifestyle. And so it's, it would be good for us to add some fruit to our diet. Galatians 5, through 25, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-restraint, self-denial. Against such, there's no law. You can have as much of the fruit of temperance as you want. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if you have the Spirit and you're living in the Spirit, let's walk in the Spirit. Matthew chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, I hurry to a close. I've been preaching about 40 minutes, maybe 45. I'm going to try to beat an hour. And the Bible says, Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and after that he was hungry. I'd say so. But in our hunger, the tempter comes. In our desire, in our appetite, the tempter comes. And he, he, he tempts him with some sweet bread. He says, man, turn these stones into, into some bread. And Jesus replies, no, 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 no. My life is not made of bread alone. I'm not going to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I need food to live, but there's another food I need more to have a life everlasting. And I don't want to be so given to the physical appetite that I am not given to spiritual appetite. I don't want to be casual with my body, this temple of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to be so flippant with this temple of the Holy Ghost. God, help me to hunger for more than food on this earth. Help me to hunger after the bread of life. Let there be an appetite for the word of God, like the appetite you have for the pecan pie this week. If you could stuff yourself with pumpkin pie, I hope you can get to a place where you can feed your soul the word of God. Come on, let it not be said that we can take down 3,000 calories and one meal and one plate and not be able to read a few verses called the word of God. Lord, help me to have a hunger for his word. See, God's not against hunger. God's not against craving. He just doesn't want you to have misplaced hunger in misplaced craving. This is where God says, look, you're so given to appetite. How about let's reroute that and let's place it where it really belongs. Would you get as hungry for my word as you are for this Thursday? Would you get as desperate for the serving I have for you for my word? Woo! 
He goes on to say in chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst. There's a blessing in your hunger. There's a blessing in your thirst. But he's not blessing you with a hunger and a thirst of the appetite of the world. He says, I'll put my blessing on you if you are hungry for righteousness. Are you hungry for God today? Is there someone here that's hungry for God today? Is there someone that has a thirst in your heart for God today? Lord, help me to have the right hunger. Help me to have the right craving. Job 23, 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of your lips. I have esteemed your words of your mouth more than my necessary food. God, I look at your word more necessary than my food that I eat. Lord, help me to eat this book. Help me to eat your word. Help me to consume it. Let it be part of my daily diet. Let it be part of my daily diet. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 10. The law of the Lord, it is perfect, converting the soul. Testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. They are more to be desired than gold. There's that spirit of lust for the love of money. More than fine gold. I'm telling you, it's sweeter than honey. God's word is sweeter than honey. Look, to eat too much honey is a bad thing. But to eat this book, you can't get enough of it. You can't get enough of God's word. It's sweet as honey. It ain't going to give you no diabetes. It ain't going to mess with your health. It's only going to bless your soul. You want to know if you're given to a spirit of lust, what's your eating style like? You want to know if you're given to a spirit of lust, what's your finances like? Many people have drowned because of money. Because you're given to lust, you got to have this, you got to buy this, you mismanage this, mismanage that. We got to be very careful. I'm not slamming, damning, condemning you to hell. I'm just saying you got to understand your behavior as a human and that your behavior is more than just some natural carnal or a, a, a physical outward display. There is a spirit behind it all. I'm not saying the devil is ruling your life. You just simply need to exercise discipline in the realm of finance, in the realm of food. We got to be very careful. God's words to be desired more than anything. Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are your 27, verse 4. There's one thing I have desired of the Lord that I'm going to seek after. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to inquire in his temple. Luke 10, 42. There's one thing that is needful. And Mary, she chose that good part. And it's not going to be taken away from her. Look, there's sometimes my wife has to, has to come and redeem and step in. I'm trying to think of the word right now when someone emergency comes in to save you. Mm. I just better stop. There's time. Intervention. Thank you. Intervention. There are many times when that bread pudding's in front of me. 
Hallelujah, after the fourth or fifth one, intervention has to come in. There's got to be a rescue program because it's too much, too much sweet. It ain't good for you. It ain't right for you. And I'm telling you, you can eat so much of God's sweet word. You can eat so much of God's sweet presence, and he will not take it from you. You can have seconds. You, you can pray one time a day. You can pray two times a day. You can pray three times a day. Yeah, you can praise God seven times a day. God's not going to take away from you when you choose the right thing choose the wrong thing he might have to take it from you but you choose the right thing God says I'll bless you I'll let you have more I'll give you a double portion if you want it Uh, I want that one thing that is needful and God won't take it away if you find the right thing let's stand together Philippians 3.19, whose end is destruction? Whose God is their belly? There is a God named belly. You like to talk about the spirit of Baal? I'm talking about the spirit of belly. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. Not realizing that we could be entertaining angels underwear. I'm not talking about good angels. I'm talking about another angelic world that we could be entertaining when we're given to appetite. It says, whose God is their belly and mind earthly things. What you're eating affects what you're thinking. You hear me? What you're eating affects what you're thinking. What you're taking in with your eyes, what you're taking with your ears, it affects your thinking. And your even physical appetite affects And so John said in verse 15, verse 16 of 1 John 2, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, how do you, what's the world? How do you summarize the world? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's not of the Father, that's of the world. Happy Thanksgiving. We all leave and just say, God, I thank you. He's not pastor anymore. I'm not here angry. I'm not here mad. I simply, I mean, when I got up, I was talking to my wife yesterday, and she's always trying to snoop on my sermons and tell me what to really preach. I thank God for it. And this was nowhere in the purview. When I got up early this morning, all I heard God say was, whose God is their belly? Okay. Should I look it up? Okay. And it was like an avalanche came. God gave all this to me this morning. I never thought of it. I never preached it. I just, I, I, I want to encourage you. I don't know what kind of altar call we're going to have. Any pastor wants to lead it. All, all I simply know is there is a God named Belly. And it's simply your appetite. And we got to be careful when we're given to appetite because there's a ruler that's watching our appetite. And he will leverage and advantage it against us. 
There's, there's ways that you can conquer the appetite. The word, prayer, fasting for those who refuse to go more than a day or two days or three days or four days. Your God is your belly. Get mad at me. I'm not the pastor. But I'm telling you right now, there's a God that's ruling society. I was going to think about looking up statistics of how much weight Americans gain on Thanksgiving and all that kind of stuff. But I was like, you know, I don't want to ruin Thursday. <laughs> and we're kind of laughing about it, but we, you know, everything I just said is true. You, you know it. And if you don't and you're trying to justify it, that's, that's, your, that's your tummy talk. That's tummy talk. How many are hungry for Jesus? If you're hungry for God, would you reach out to him, whether you do it at your seat or whether you come to this front right now? I wonder if we can just let God know we're hungry for you.